Welcome everyone to the Eclectic Highway. My name is Kelly Senecal, and this is episode 9. We're going to do things a little bit differently on this episode. Now normally I have a guest, and the episodes are pretty much interview style. We pick a topic, we go back and forth, but it's mainly focused on that guest and sort of what they're working on and what their expertise is related to, you know, the transportation industry and the automotive industry. But on this episode, it's just going to be me. And I kind of did that on the first episode, but that was really short and just kind of defining, you know, what is the Eclectic Highway podcast? I think it was under five minutes. Um, Not really a, a real episode. This one will probably be a little shorter than what they've been in the past um, because it is just me, but I'm going to give this a shot. Let's see how this goes. I've kind of wanted to do this for a while now, and to be honest, I've been a little scared to do it. Not scared, but you know, it's just different. Normally when I'm talking about these sort of topics, I'm either talking to someone you know, face-to-face or I'm speaking in front of an audience. To be honest, it's a little bit weird for me just to kind of talk. You know, I'm looking out of one of my windows right now. I've got, of course, I've got my laptop here, my microphone. I've got my Coke Zero. You may hear me taking a couple swigs of that during the show. My phone's here with notifications on, so you may hear my phone go off a little bit. You know, I'm just going to keep this real. And again, it's just going to be me. And I, part of why I'm doing this is I'm sort of setting up the next round of people to interview. Um, So that's part of it. But I also did want to try this as well. And if this works out okay, if I get good feedback, um, maybe I'll do this every once in a while. And I have been getting really good feedback just in general about the show. So I really appreciate all of you out there listening um, and giving me feedback, telling me, you know, what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, fortunately for me, you liked more than you disliked, but you know, I'm still learning. Um, as I said, I think in the first episode, maybe I have podcasted before, but it was a long time ago back, you know, in the very, very early stages. It was when podcasting first was starting out actually. Um, and so things were very different back then. Um, the tools we used to record, uh, how people subscribe to podcasts, and and the players and all of these things. It was just a different world back then. Um, now things are very, they're much more streamlined. Let's just put it that way, which is good. But, you know, it still does feel like a new thing for me because it has been so long since I've done it. Um, but, you know, now this is episode nine. Things are, are coming a little more naturally. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope, um, you know, I've really enjoyed it. I've had some awesome guests. You know, we started out Let's talk about that a little bit. We started out with Felix Leach. You know, he's a professor at University of Oxford. We talked about COVID-19 and sort of the perceptions around COVID-19 and pollution. And again, you know, I say this every episode, but, you know, I hope everyone out there is doing well. I'm going a little bit crazy. Um, not really, but, you know, and, I, and I'm very fortunate. You know, I don't have anybody in my family who's sick. I don't really know anyone. Um who's sick. And so I'm very fortunate to have that, right? So, but if you know me, I travel a lot, um, mainly for work or mainly for work-related things. You know, I'm typically, you know, going to a conference, speaking at a conference or speaking at a university or visiting a customer. Um, and, and I really miss that, right? I miss that hopping on a plane, going to a foreign place, potentially, um, and just interacting with people, 
And so I really, I really miss that. So I hope to get back to that soon. But of course, we don't want to get back to that until, until that's safe. And so hopefully it's safe to do that soon. Um, so that was the first episode. We were, we talked about pollution and COVID-19. And then I had, and let me, let me just pull up my list here so I don't, and I'm, I'm not forgetting Graham by any means, but I want to make sure I don't forget anybody kind of in the whole, in the whole list of them here. Um, I had Graham Conway. Uh, we talked about the need for life cycle analysis, and that was really, that was really cool. And we are working on something together. Uh, at least we're trying to. It's hard without be, being able to travel and things like that. But we do want to put together this life cycle symposium. And Graham's taking the lead on this down at Southwest Research, and I'm helping him organize it. <clears throat> and the idea here is, you know, let's bring together a lot of experts on LCA because, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, there are tons of papers out there on LCA. And depending on, you can almost find the answer you want, depending on what paper you're looking at, right? So if you want things to be skewed heavily one way or another way, chances are you can find a paper to back up that view. And so part of what we want to do in this symposium is bring together, again, IC engine experts and battery experts, so everybody right? Hybrid people and so forth, maybe even fuel cells at some point. We'll see. Um, but we want to bring all these people together and then together come up with a set of assumptions that are hopefully the best assumptions we can make and are the assumptions that we can all agree on, you know, so we can kind of move past this, this idea of, um, you know, bias and all these different papers and things like that. Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, so I, yeah, I talked to Graham about life cycle analysis and then let's see, why do I not have the other episodes up here? Oh, I see why. Okay. And then see, I'm not, I'm not even going to really edit this episode. This is just going to be natural. So I'm going to make mistakes. Um, uh, hopefully that's okay with you guys. And that makes it a little more organic. Um, but then we had, I had Nick Molden. Uh, from Emissions Analytics. And man, Nick is just a wealth of information when it comes to all of this stuff, right? So we talked about the fastest route to CO2 reduction, and we mainly focused on hybrids. And again, we talked about a lot of different things, but we talked a lot about hybrids. And you know, contrary to popular opinion, hybrids are the fastest way to CO2 reduction today. And so this, you know, not that industry is ignoring them because certainly they're not. I mean, there are hybrids out there you can purchase, full hybrids, plug-in hybrids, even mild hybrids. Um, but, you know, the real kind of sex appeal, I'll say, it has been on the battery electric vehicles. And they're the ones that are, you know, they're the cool things to drive and they're the ones that are going to save the planet. And it's really a little bit, it's a little bit maddening for me because, um, yes, we should be investing in battery electric vehicles for sure, right? And we should be improving those um, as much as we can. And, you know, I've even been involved in my, you know, our software has been involved in doing that. And so I, I very much support that. But what I don't support is the sort of one size fits all mentality that battery electric vehicles are going to solve all our problems uh, at some point in the future, you know, when all electricity is renewable and so on and so forth. So really with hybrids, we have a technology today, you know, that everyone, if everyone had a hybrid, um, we would have massive amounts of CO2 reduction, and that would be uh, a really good thing. So that's what Nick and I talked about. Um, and then let me go back here. 
And then I had Gautam on the next episode, Gautam Kalgatki, who uh, worked for uh, Saudi Ramco for a number of years, and now he's retired, and he's he's a visiting professor. He's also at Oxford currently. And, and man, again, that guy knows his stuff. And we talked about the challenges of decarbonization. And just, you know, this gets thrown around so much in the media, in conversation with friends, just everywhere. Like, we need to decarbonize. And you know what? I want that too, right? But we have to be realistic about this. And just the massive amount of, of energy that we get from fossil fuels today, right? It's, that's a, it's really difficult to kind of just get rid of that and, and, and replace it with renewables and other things. So what we, we talked about that, and it's not that we both, we both want more and more renewables, right? That's not the point. The point is that it's a very challenging problem. And we have to be realistic about it and pragmatic about it, how we approach it, and um, you know what we focus on, and where our resources are used. So that was that was the episode with Gautam. Um, that was a lot of fun as well. And then I had uh, John Haywood, and a lot of people were really excited about this episode, uh, all the episodes really, but this one in particular, mainly because so many people out there who have you know done engine research, for example, or taken an IC engines class in school, they have use John Haywood's book. Um, there are really two books that are sort of the main books, right? There's John Haywood, and then there's also Richard Stone. Uh, Richard Stone has an IC Engines book, a textbook that's also very widely used. But at least in the U.S., it seems like Haywood is what's uh, is very dominant. Other places as well. But those are the two books. I had Haywood on the episode, and for me, that was like, you know, I don't get nervous a lot. I've done enough stuff over the years that I don't really get nervous. Um, I might get excited, but not really nervous. But with Haywood, I have to be honest, I was nervous. And, you know, he was so awesome about it. I mean, I asked him to be on the show. He almost immediately got back to me and said, you know, he'd be happy to, you know, we had a, a, a nice phone conversation, kind of independent of the episode, just kind of setting expectations and things like that. He was so cool about the whole thing. Um, and I really appreciate that. And we just did a Q&A. You know, we talked about a lot of different things. And where I got a lot of the questions were from LinkedIn, right? So from LinkedIn, a lot of you submitted questions in a particular thread that I made for that purpose. And I realized that instead of giving him sort of a specific topic, there's so much that people want to ask John Haywood if given the chance. So I was using this opportunity to kind of ask all of your questions for you. I obviously couldn't get to all of them, but I tried to get to a bunch of them. So that that was a lot of fun um, as well. And then the next one was um, Amaya Joshi. So Amaya had the very easy task, and I say that sarcastically, of following John Haywood. And to be honest... Amaya did awesome. You know, he he did a really good job. I mean, for someone who have to follow John Haywood, he did he did great. And and he again, Amaya is one of those guys that you know, you want to ask him anything about you're you're interested in anything about emissions regulations, you know, what are they doing in Europe right now or what what are we looking at in the future for regulations or what are some of the ways we're meeting those regulations, you know, after treatment devices and things like that. Amaya is the guy. I mean, he's the go-to guy for a lot of that stuff. And so, I, you know, I was thrilled to have him on the show, and he did an awesome job as well. Um, and we talked a lot about emissions regulations. That was 
a lot of the focus. And we also also talked about real world driving, right? And so, you know, the tests that are done under real world driving, um, the idea is, you know, when they test for emissions now under the, under real world, sorry, that's a tongue twister, real world driving, and I'm going kind of fast. Um, but that's, that's much more representative, obviously, of real world driving. So, you know, this idea of how emissions behave in the lab versus how they behave on the road, you know, we've really gone, gotten past a lot of that, uh, with, with these new tests. So that's what Amaya and I talked about. Um, and then, Now we're on episode eight, which is my last episode. And for episode eight, I had Gina Fioroni. Hopefully I got her last name right. Um, And we talked about, so actually somebody somebody requested this actually Joe um, a guy who works with me he's a student at Penn State and he's he's one of my sort of interns right now that's helping me with some of this you know the future is eclectic eclectic highway type type stuff he actually suggested Gina you know he was like you know I'd really like to hear about future fuels on one of these episodes and what about Gina from NREL I was like yeah you know I remember reading a story about her recently. And it was something to the effect of, you know, she does this great work in the lab, but she's also, you know, this crazy good athlete. And and that was her fun fact. I try to ask everybody, like, what is something about you that people may not know that you can share with us? You know, something that's hopefully not too embarrassing. Um, and her fun fact was she's run, I don't want to get, the, hopefully I get this right, but her fun fact was she's run a marathon in all 50 states. And she's done that over a period of something like four years, which is just, that blows my mind, right? Um, So that was her fun fact. But also, she is also uh, a chemical engineer by trade. Um, And, you know, she really knows her stuff when it comes to these future fuels. And she's working in the Cooptima project, uh, which is a big project with a lot of the DOE labs. And they're all contributing kind of different things to it and really pulling together the expertise from all the labs to essentially optimize engines with fuels, right? So if if we're, you know, going to improve engines, it doesn't really make sense to just look at the engine itself with kind of the traditional fuel all the time. What is the best fuel we can use that is matched to that engine? So that's what I talked to Gina about. And, okay, so now we're now we're at episode nine, and that's, that's what I'm recording right now. Um, so I really want to thank all of my guests. I mean, these people... Especially, especially Felix and uh, Graham, because they're they were the first two, and I know both those guys pretty well. So I think they trusted me that, you know, this wasn't going to be some, what is this crazy podcast you're asking me to do, right? I think they both trusted me, and I really appreciate that. Those guys are really good sports, but they really didn't know exactly what they were getting into, and I didn't really know what we were getting into. We were just starting out. So those two guys I want to especially thank uh, for kind of taking that initial leap with me. And then once they recorded theirs, then I think everybody else, you know, the other guests, it was very easy to like get them to agree because they heard those episodes and they really knew what to expect. And they knew this was hopefully they feel like a legitimate place to come and discuss these uh, topics. So I really want to thank all of my guests. And I have some really... I don't have them all confirmed yet, but I have a list of people that are hopefully all coming in the future, and I think you're going to be really excited about who I have in the future as well. Um, And I'm really having fun doing this. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Sometimes I get busy, 
Um, last week I didn't have an episode and that was mainly because, um, I got a little busy, but also the weekend before was 4th of July weekend. And so it was sort of a holiday going into kind of a holiday long weekend and things like that. So I skipped last week. Um, but you know, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go two weeks without an episode. So that's why you've, you've got me again today. Um, so that, that's kind of a brief summary. And if this is the first episode you're hearing, if any of that stuff appeals to you, um, you know, feel free to go back and, and check out those episodes. I mean, I would hope that you would go back and check out all the episodes, um, but of course, we don't. Not everybody has time for that. But if there's something that sounded something that sounded that was really interesting in there to you, um, please go back and check out one of those episodes. And you know, you can do that directly on the website eclectichighway.com. You can also hear this podcast in all the major sort of podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, a bunch of others. I don't really know what they all are, but uh, you know, I typically use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and, and, and the show is definitely there. Um, okay, so I do want to talk about a couple more things, and you know, as you guys know, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And that the reason why I'm active on LinkedIn, well, there are a lot of different reasons, and I've been doing this now for several years, but it's it's the professional social media, right? At least that that's the idea, and most of the time that is that is correct. Um, so you know you can go on there and talk about things like emissions, regulations, and you know uh, battery electric vehicles and LCA and all these topics, and people on there that are interested in this field, they they like seeing that stuff, right? If you went on Facebook and started posting about that, um, you'll get some people that are interested, but people are really on Facebook for a different reason, right? It's more of a personal thing and checking out pictures of, of their buddies or their family or something like that, right? So that's really what Facebook... Twitter is... I do a little bit on Twitter, but Twitter is sort of a whole different thing. Um, I've never really tried too hard on Twitter, to be honest. And I don't, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it's for me as much, but I do spend a little bit of time on there. Um, and then Instagram would be kind of similar, I would say to Twitter for me. So LinkedIn is kind of the place where I feel like that's the, it's the best fit currently for the things I want to say. Right. And so, um, you know, I like to say, you know, some people like to golf. I like to defend IC engines, or I like to defend, i a diverse set of transportation technologies. And, you know, that's my hobby, right? So it is somewhat related to what I do in my day job, right? Um, but this is really my hobby. So this, I'm doing this podcast, you know, for fun for me. Um, I don't golf. <laughs> I do a little bit of music and I have, I have some other hobbies, but this is really my passion um, is, you know, speaking to people on this topic. So I, again, you know, I'm really blessed to be able to, I can't believe, did I just say I'm really blessed? Yeah, I did. I'm really blessed to, um, to be able to do this show, right? And for to have people out there that actually care, you know, if I would have thrown this, you know, the first couple shows out there and only five people cared about it, you know, that would be one thing. I'd probably still do it, you know, cause it's still fun and I still want to reach those five people, but a lot of people listened and, and that, that's awesome. So I, you know, that, that's a real thrill for me. So where the heck was I going with that? Oh, LinkedIn. So that's kind of why, you know, I do LinkedIn. I, you know, a lot of you who are listening probably are also on LinkedIn and are connected with me or follow me. Um, thanks for that as well, by the way. And, you know, 
I apologize. Some of you are probably very sick of seeing my posts. Um, I try to post daily. Um, sometimes it's more CFD focused, which is, you know, which is what I, that's my job, right? I'm a co-owner of a CFD company, um, CFD software vendor. Um, but other, but a lot of times it's about this, the topics we talk about on this podcast. And part of that's because, you know, there's so much out there about battery electric vehicles and, you know, promoting battery electric vehicles and how they are the savior and all of that. I, I like battery electric vehicles. I know a lot of you probably don't believe that, but I have nothing against battery electric vehicles. I think they have very good, you know, they have a place, right? There are some applications that make total sense. I think in, if, if all you're doing is driving around in the city all the time and you don't need a lot of range, um, and you can afford an electric vehicle because typically still they're more expensive, you know, more power to you. Like that, that's awesome, right? Reduce the local pol- pollution there in the city. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but they're not the answer to everything. And so that's kind of, you know, there, we need, we need more voices out there saying what I'm saying. And there are other voices and some of you listening are those voices. And some of the people I've had on this show, right? There are the other voices out there or some of them. So it's definitely not just me, but that's why I take, I take to LinkedIn, um, almost on a daily basis and try to to talk about this. And, you know, I do want to apologize uh, for a recent post that I made because I scared a bunch of people. Um, Let me see if I can find it. And it wasn't my intention. I assumed that everybody would know like immediately when, you know, when reading it that I was joking or being sarcastic or something. Um, But I had some people that messaged me. Now, where is it? I can't even find... Yeah, here it is. Okay, so this was something I posted about a week ago, and it was a very short post. Got a lot of attention, and again, a lot of people, um, a few in the comments, but more pe- people were contacting me directly in the direct messages on LinkedIn or texting me or emailing me or whatever, depending on my relationship with them. And they were like, what the heck? And the, the reason is because I started out the post with, I've changed my mind. We need to ban IC engines as soon as possible. And if you know me, right, either you're going to know right away that that's, okay, where's he going with this? This must be a joke or something. Or you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this guy changed his mind. What the heck? And that's what that's what some of the people, it was kind of split in terms of the response I got. But there were a lot of people that were like, I read that. And somebody said um, in the comments, like, I felt ill when I first read this. Um, and so, you know, I'm sorry about that. That wasn't my intention. But I went on in that post to say, you know, why am I saying this? Because the quicker we do it, the quicker we realize how big of a mistake the ban was and we can move on from this nonsense, right? So I don't really want to do that, right? I don't really want to ban engines today so that we can learn how much of a mistake it was and move on. Like that that's not what I really want. But my point is, you know, it's banning IC engines is not the answer. Um, you know, maybe at some point down the road when we have everything else figured out, um, you know, other options figured out and, and they're completely renewable and all this sort of stuff. Maybe, right. Maybe it'll make sense then, but certainly not today. Certainly not 10 years from now, certainly not 20 years from now. And I keep seeing the date 
especially with the UK. I keep seeing the date pushed up and up and up and up. So originally the UK ban called for in 2040, right, we will essentially ban conventional vehicles. That's what they said. And if if you dig deeper into that, what that means is the vehicles in 2040, the new vehicles that are sold, had to have some sort of electrification, right? And that could be anything down to like a mild hybrid, possibly even a micro hybrid, you know, a stop-start technology. I'm not sure exactly, but certainly mild hybrid, full hybrid, plug-in hybrids. So, you know, they're just saying that if it's like a conventional, conventional gasoline or petrol-powered car for the UK or diesel, they don't want that, but it can have some, as long as it has some electrification on it, it was okay, right? So again, you can hit that target with a lot of different ways. Then they came out and said by 2035, they want to ban also hybrids, which means now we now we are banning conventional vehicles, conventional powered vehicles, and hybrids. So really all that leaves you with are battery electric vehicles and possibly fuel cell vehicles, um, unless something else you know, happens between now and then, which I I don't foresee. Right. So they move, but then they didn't actually, this isn't set in stone and they're taking consultations on it and things like that. So, but then they said, no, or somebody said in, in the government 2032, now I'm reading stuff about 2030. And this idea that in 10 years from now, you know, we could be banning even hybrids. That makes no sense to me. Um, and I hope somebody in the UK government realizes how crazy that is and um, and we stop hearing about that. Because not only – it's one thing for it to actually happen, right? Um, oh, whoa, something's updating on my computer. No, uh, we're still okay. You know, it's one thing for that to actually happen. But it's another thing for it to just be talked about so much, even if it's never going to happen. Right, but it talked about so much that it starts to influence automotive companies and influence funding and influence everybody to the point where people stop investing in IC engines. Right? And if we stop investing in IC engines, then what what's gonna happen is in ten years from now, we're gonna have a bunch of engines that are ten year old technology or more. Right? That's not doing anybody any good, right? Because within the next 10 years, we could be cleaning those up even more, making them more efficient with some electrification or other other methods. There are lots of things being explored. And we talked about you know some of those methods in, in some of these episodes in the past. But you know, that would be really sad, I think. And, and that that's why I feel like throwing these bands out, I know they think they're giving people time to kind of get ready for it. And I think that's what they're thinking, but I don't, I don't see it that way. I see it. I see it as pretty irresponsible. I see it as, uh, we could be shooting ourselves in the foot by doing that. So I'm not a fan of the bands, um, at all. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. And I think, I think a lot of my listeners by, by this point realize that. Um, and you know, the other thing about LinkedIn is as I made a post recently, um, a little bit more recent than the one I just talked about. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, this was from a couple days ago. And it was a projection from, um, what was this guy's name? Ray Wills, I want to say. Yeah, Professor Ray Wills. 
and he posted this on Twitter and actually he also posted um, on his own website, I believe, a longer report and this plot was just part of that longer report. But he uh, he's projecting that by 2026, so in six years from now, we'll be at 100% battery electric vehicles. Okay? And that's new sales, right? So all 100% of the new cars being sold that year um, will, be, will be battery electric vehicles. Um, so, yeah, that... I think it's safe to say, you know, it's dangerous to make projections and predictions. I think it's safe to say that that's not going to happen. Um, of course, never say never. I mean, there is a chance, but if I if I if I were a betting man, <laughs> I would bet very highly against that. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I think again, that just again, it comes from a lot of the hype around battery electric vehicles, and I think people think that. They don't. They don't know about the problems, or they 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 don't. They put blinders on to the problems, and you know we're just not going to be at that point in 2026. Um, but um, and again, we should be improving all technologies. And by throwing out projections like that, you know we really um, kind of influence people away from IC engines. And I th- and that's the point. I think that's the point that they're trying to make, and that's what they're trying to do. So that was that LinkedIn post. And then the other one I just want to hit on very briefly, um, because this one, this is just from yesterday, and this one is getting a ton of attention as well. Um, and you know, I'm, I, you know, somebody accused me of maybe changing careers to becoming a science fiction writer after they saw this post, and that's not that far fetched, actually. Um, you know, I do. You know, when I was an undergrad and in high school, I did a lot of writing and, you know, I could have just as been likely been an English major in undergrad as a physics major. I ended up being a physics major. And so that's not actually that far fetched, but that really wasn't my intent here. Um, But, you know, I kind of flip the script a little bit here and say, what if, what if back in the early 1900s when you had lots of electric vehicles on the road, a lot of people don't realize that, right? Tesla didn't invent the electric vehicle. Of course, they've brought it a long way forward. Um, you know, they've done a ton for the electric vehicle, both in technology and in sort of, uh, the marketing aspect or the fashionable aspect of it. Um, but there were lots of electric vehicles back in the 1900s, the early 1900s, along with internal combustion engine vehicles. And what happened is internal combustion engine vehicles won, right? They won that sort of technology battle. And by about 19... Maybe early 1920s. Um, I think they peaked in around 1912. The electric vehicles did, but by the 1920s, you could hardly find any of them on the road, and you know, IC engines had effectively taken over, right? Um, and this had a lot to do with you know just the roads, right? And so people could start to travel really far distances because they had roads now between towns and things like that, and they could get the range. Right, they can get the range with the liquid fuels, with with the hydrocarbon fuels that they couldn't get with the electric vehicles. So there were a lot of reasons, but um, the internal combustion engine won out. And you know, now we've had the IC engine for all of these years, and you know, part of the the you know the CO two production from transportation that's part of the climate change problem. There are a lot of factors in that, um, but transportation is certainly part of it. 
Um, and so the IC engine gets demonized for that, um, even though there are other sources that are you know, even a lot higher than the IC engine uh, or transportation. Um, but you know, the IC engine and transportation gets demonized for that. And, and I sort of in this post, I said, wait a minute, let's, let's pretend we had a different reality, right? An alternate reality where electric vehicles actually won that technology battle back in the early 1900s. And instead of electric vehicles shrinking to extinction in the 1920s, IC engine vehicles did. And today, we'd be in a very different place, right? Most of the cars on the road today would likely be battery electric vehicles. Um, They'd be mainstream. And I'm pretty sure the environmentalists out there would be upset about battery electric vehicles because... You know, some people say, well, and people even responded to my post and said, well, if that would have happened, then we'd certainly be all renewable electricity by now. And I I look at that and I say, maybe, but you certainly can't say that for sure, right? Why? I mean, why are you saying that? I mean, we could just as likely be in a position today where, you know, the electricity mix is the same as it is today, right? And then you have something like 65% of the electricity generation globally comes from fossil fuels, right? Whether it be coal, natural gas. And environmentalists would be calling those battery electric vehicles something like remote combustion vehicles or emissions elsewhere vehicles as Gautam uh, described them, right? Or even fossil fuel vehicles, right? Again, because where does that electricity come from? Some of it's renewable and in some locations and, you know, um, there's a certain gentleman that responds to my LinkedIn post here and there, likes to point out that in Canada, they have a very clean mix of electricity and more power to them. That, I think that's great. Norway is another, um, a Nor- another country that has that, but don't get me started because Norway uh, makes a lot of their money um, off of oil, right? So they can, they can afford all of this green sort of technology. Um, but in the meantime, they're making their money off of oil. So I think that's a little bit hypocritical, but I'm not trying to dig on Norway here. I love Norway, by the way, if there's any listeners in Norway. Um, But you know, that's where we probably be right now. Right. And then, so let's say that was the case and then producing the batteries, right. We know it takes a lot of energy, produces a lot of CO2, especially these bigger long range batteries. Right. And again, it comes back to the LCA and depending on the assumptions out there, You know, I think people are going to get mad when they hear this because they're going to say, well, you know, it only takes two years to recover the the CO2 from the battery or something like that. And I'm thinking, well, that's still two years. And other studies show longer than that, right? And so I don't really know. I mean, I know like a lot of the more recent data says one thing, but I can, again, I can find other studies that say something else. I don't know that we know for sure. And I think there's a lot of assumptions that go into that and depends on where the battery is being Uh, produced, you know, what is the energy mix there? It depends on so many different things. And so, you know, what if that was the case? And then somebody came out an Elon Musk type, right? And he started a new company and I call it auto automobiles um, for probably obvious reasons, right? Auto, the auto cycle. Um, But also, you know, it's kind of a shout to my, um, you know, my wife's grandfather, who I was a little bit close to because he was an engineer as well. Um, he used to call me Otto, and that was because he knew I worked. He sort of I worked related to engines, right? I did CFD, but at the time I was doing CFD of, of internal combustion engines, and so he would call me Otto. That was his nickname for me. So it's kind of a little bit of a shout to him. Um, 
and also obviously Nicholas Otto. Um, but you know, what if they came out and said, Hey, all these dirty batteries, you know, that require all this energy and, you know, we have something now that can be powered by liquid fuels and part of that liquid fuel base, obviously a lot of it still has to come from fossil fuels, but a lot of, but some of it can come from things like biofuels and, and renewable fuels, synthetic fuels, right? And so, and, and again, this is, this is um, something that people have a struggle with. They think that we have to produce, we have to replace the entire set of liquid with renewable fuels for renewable fuels to make a difference. And that's never going to happen and all of this, right? But it only takes a little bit, right? If we can mix a small percentage of renewable fuels with fossil fuels, right, we're going to see a huge, um, a huge benefit. And so someone comes along and says, we're going to have zero battery emissions now by our vehicles. Um, you know, how would that look? I think that's a really interesting way to look at this problem. And just when I get people responding to this, especially the, the BEV advocates, you know, they're asking the same sorts of questions to me about this alternate reality as I'm asking them right now with the real reality, you know, the actual reality, but it's flipped, right? So, you know, how can you say zero battery emissions when internal combustion engines actually have a lead acid battery for ignition and things like that? Okay, so they're complaining about me using the word zero emissions. It's exactly what I'm doing with them with electric vehicles right now because they throw out things like zero emissions. And, you know, some people are now starting to say zero zero tailpipe emissions to make it a little more clear. But still, this whole idea of zero emissions um, is is just incredibly... Uh, it drives me crazy. Um, I think a lot of you know this already. Um, and I'm going a lot longer than I thought. I apologize. This is going to probably be about 40 minutes, which is what a lot of my episodes have been. Uh, I, when I, once I start talking about this, I, I tend to go on for a while. Um, so thanks for listening, by the way. If you've made it this far, uh, congratulations. You're a, you're a trooper. Um, but yeah, so I want to, you know, I'm going to be talking about this alternate reality a little bit more. I'm not exactly sure how yet. Um, you know, if you saw my post today, then you see that, you know, auto automobiles has a logo, it has a website, and I think you're going to see some marketing from this company coming down, coming down the pike here in the, in the next few weeks. Let's, we'll see. Depends on how much time I have. And, you know, I've got a lot of different things going on right now. Um, but I think it's just a really interesting way to look at it. And I think it, I think we can learn from it. Um, and I think, and I hope, Probably not because some of them are very stubborn, as I'm stubborn as well. Um, but they're very stubborn. But I'm hoping that this at least opens some eyes, you know, on the other side. And I shouldn't even say other side because, again, I like battery electric vehicles, whereas I think most of them hate IC engines. It's a little bit of a different situation. I just don't like the demonization of IC engines and this idea of BEVs being like the silver bullet. But I hope people that do see BEVs as a silver bullet. Maybe this helps open their eyes a little bit, thinking, wait a minute, yeah, you're right. I don't know. We'll see. That's probably very optimistic. Um, but that's that's kind of what I'm going for. So I think with that, I think I want to end this in about 40 minutes. So I'm going to stop here. Um, I just want a couple reminders. I do want to remind you again, uh, you know, you can go to eclectichighway.com to listen to the show. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, a lot of those different, um, podcast players. And, um, 
yeah, I really appreciate it. So check it out. I do have an Instagram. I'm not the best at keeping it up to date. Um, but I do have an Instagram for the show. You can find a link to that on the website. I also have a Twitter account. Again, I'm not the best at keeping that up to date either, but please give me a follow on those. Um, because when I do update it and hopefully I get more regular about it, uh, you'll see that you'll see that information. And so again, again, guys really appreciate it. Um, and just remember the future is eclectic. Bye-bye.